Well, good morning, Forefront. Hey, let's put our hands together for the band this morning. Great job, guys. I love that song, Rattle. That's definitely one of my new favorites. So I think it's yours, too. So that's really good. Hey, if you have your Bibles, let's grab those and open up the book of Matthew. We'll be in Matthew chapter 5 this morning. Well, I'm excited for us to kick off a new series called Choices. And the series is all about how do we make the choices as followers of Jesus that help us live the abundant life that Jesus came to bring. You know, we, we look at, over, at our lives, and I, I think we can all look back and see a lot of the, uh, the pain and the joy and the good and the bad have been a result, not always, but a lot of times have been the result of choices that we have made. I look back at my life and I say, I'm really glad I made the choice to go to that Christmas party back in 2007 and meet the love of my life that day. I was really glad. It felt really good for me. There was a lot of joy in my life because I met Courtney at that Christmas party. But there's also those times when we've made some pretty bad choices, like the Rockies made this week when they traded Nolan Arenado Denver, right? Come on. Like, I know, seriously, I'm sorry. But seriously, we, I think in our lives we have these choices that we make, and sometimes we look back in hindsight and we say, that was a great choice. Other times we look back and say, you know, a lot of that heartburn that I've received, a lot of that pain and anguish I've felt is because I made the wrong choice. And so how do we learn to make the right choice? We've spent the better part of a year in the Sermon on the Mount, just taking it in chunks. And last spring, we kicked off a, a series called Upside Down, and we looked at the Beatitudes. Jesus shows us what it looks like to be a son and a daughter of God, someone who lives out the kingdom of heaven. And we saw that that's upside down from culture. In the fall, we talked to, in our Right Side Up series about how we live right side up, how we live like Jesus calls us to live. And for the next few weeks, we're going to camp out in Matthew 7, the last chapter of the Sermon on the Mount, and see that Jesus calls us to make the right choice to follow him, to be the people he's called us to be, and to live out the kingdom of God. So I'm excited for us to kick this off and be in Matthew chapter 7 this morning. And I've titled my, series, or my message this morning, To Judge or Not to Judge. So that's the question we need to ask. Is it okay to judge or should we not? So we have a choice to make. So Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 5. I was reading an article this week about a research study done by Barna Research Group. And they were looking at a group of millennials, and they wanted to see what was causing this group to either go to church or to stay away from church. And so they interviewed thousands, and here's what they found out. That two-thirds of people say they don't go to church because they view American churchgoers as hypocritical. They, they drilled in a little further on those two-thirds, and they, they said, what really is going on here? And they said 87% of those people who don't go to church because they saw people as hypocritical said that American churchgoers are judgmental. And because they're judgmental, they're not going to be a part of a church. There's another study done by the Trinity Church in Scottsdale, Arizona. And so they called 9,000 people and created a 1,000-person focus group and out of this 1,000-person focus group, they drilled down. They found out that three-quarters, 75% of this group were de-churched, meaning they were part of a church at one point in time, and they, they left the church. 25% were unchurched. They never were part of a church. So it's a good, accurate reflection of what do non-believers think about Christians? What do they think about church? And here's what they found. 55% of people studied in that 1,000-person group viewed Christians as intolerant. Another 45% viewed Christians as morally judgmental, morally hypocritical. So there's this perception that exists out there in the world that churchgoers 
that Christians in specific are judgmental, are hypocritical, are, are, are morally standing above non-Christians. Now, let's be honest. I think some of us have had experiences like that before. I think some of us have, have been part of a church probably where we had a negative experience. I, don't raise your hand, but some of you may have been in a situation where somebody judged you. You were in a church or you knew a Christian. Maybe it was your neighbor or it was a family member. And they sized you up and they wrote you off. And it hurt and it stung. And maybe it caused you to walk away. Maybe you're just now getting back. If you're tuning in from home, maybe this is the first time you've been part of a worship experience at church in a long time. A lot of us have had experiences with that in the past. We've met Christians who seem to be a little bit judgy. So this morning, I want to talk about how do we, as the people of God, as people that Jesus called into this beautiful thing called the kingdom of heaven, how do we approach this idea of to judge or not to judge? How do we evaluate the people and the situations in our lives that we are faced with every single day? Because I believe in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus gives us the key and the answer to living out the kingdom of God by making the right choice. So let's look at that. If you have your Bible, Matthew chapter 7. And we're just going to start in verses 1 and 2, and then we'll uh, kind of carve our way through it. Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 and 2. Jesus says this. He says, Judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Forefront, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for just this opportunity for us to talk about really a couple uncomfortable topics. Uh, to talk about what you, are, uh, what you are calling us to, who you are calling us to be, how we can make the choices to follow you and, and to be the people you've called us to be. And so, Father, we just ask that you speak to our hearts today, that you open our minds and our hearts to see that your, your uh, word is good, to taste and see that it's good, and that you're calling us to something bigger and better than we could ever have on our own, and you're calling us to step out beyond ourselves. Father, I uh, just want to ask prayer for those in our church family and those in our community who are walking through difficult seasons. Lord, we pray for Coralie Dunbar. Uh, Lord, as she had just had a, a scary diagnosis. And so we are, uh, Lord, lifting her up to you, praying for you to heal her body, to give her strength, to help her fight this cancer. Father, we pray for Pam and Rick Smart and, and uh, just their life group and their extended family. Lord, that we can just wrap our arms around Pam and Rick and Coralie during this difficult time and just show her how much we love her and to keep her eyes and fo focus on you, Lord, that you're going to bring her through this situation, whatever it looks like. So, Father, we just ask for peace and comfort for the Smart family, for, for Corey Lee, and, and uh, Lord, help us to lean in. Father, I pray as we dig into your word today, help us to leave today looking more like Jesus than when we came. And it's in Jesus' holy name we pray. And everybody agreed, said, amen. 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 So, Matthew 7, a little context here. So, Jesus is in the Sermon on the Mount, his most famous sermon. He is bringing in uh, the people of Israel who are looking forward to this king, this Messiah that's going to come. And Jesus is showing them that the the, the kingdom of God looks very different than we expected it to. And here he's getting into this idea of how do we make the choice to follow him and to put it into action. And, and really in this specific moment, he's talking to us, but he's specifically calling out the Pharisees, the religious leaders in the first century who had their own interpretation of the law and they decided the right way to live was their interpretation. So they lived, say, X, Y, Z, and if you didn't follow X, Y, Z, then they looked down on you. They 
passed judgment on you. To them, to you, you were a sinner and, and you weren't even worthy of them. And so there was this cultural tension that existed in Israel at that time. So Jesus calls out these Pharisees and says, look, you guys are being self-righteous. You guys are judging when you shouldn't be judging. You're judging the wrong way. And so it gives us this picture that we can take away in our own life of what it looks like to evaluate people and to evaluate situations the right way, the way that Jesus would have us to do it. So notice verse 1, Matthew 7, verse 1. Jesus just simply says, judge not. It's the first thing. He says, judge not. You know, if you look around at our culture, I think one of the mantras of our culture right now is, don't judge me. I mean, just, just don't judge me. Don't size me up. Don't compare me to anybody else. Don't put some unrealistic expectation on me. Just mind your own business. That just seems to be the kind of the attitude of our culture right now. I think, let's just be honest. We don't like to be judged. Raise your hand if you like to be judged, <laughs> right? You don't. Nobody likes to be judged. Nobody likes to be sized up. I don't want you looking at me and seeing what I'm wearing or seeing who I'm hanging out with or telling whether I have a bad hair day or a no hair day, right? I don't want you hearing something I said or seeing one of my mistakes and then just sizing me up. Man, that Drew guy, you don't want to be around him. Like None of us like that. None of us like to be judged like that. So I guess the question we really need to drill down on, what is Jesus saying about judging? Because Jesus says, judge not, but it seems like all throughout the Bible, Jesus is saying things like, be hungry for righteousness, fight injustice, stand up against sin, uh, sin, hate what is evil, but cling to what is good. So how do we balance not judging, but yet standing up against injustice and for what is right? How, how do we really find a, our footing in these two ideas? I think the reality is, judge not is impossible apart from Jesus, and apart from what Jesus has to say to us. Because I think one of the realities in our life is it's impossible not to judge. Let me just ask you today, who, let's be honest, moment of transparency, who here has judged something so far today? You judged traffic, you judged whether the coffee was too hot, right? You judged whether you loved that last song, hopefully you judged right, right? <laughs> like we all judge all the time, and even the least judgy person will still make an opinion or an assessment of somebody. You might really think I'm a nice guy, but if I pulled out a cigar and lit it up right here, you would judge me for that. Now, if we were hanging out visiting a friend at the hospital at the NICU unit, and I pull out a cigar then and fire it up, you're really going to judge me, right? See, whether you're the least judgy person, the least opinionated person or not, we're still always evaluating people and situations in our life. We are always judging. It's, it's what C.S. Lewis calls this immoral code or this moral law that's written on our hearts, that we just have, we process everything through this. And so we are always going to look at situations through that lens. We're always going to find ourselves evaluating and judging a situation. And I think if you look around our culture right now, maybe more than ever, it, it, it's, it's so toxic where everybody is judging the other side. I mean, just political. You just see the Democrats are judging the Republicans. The conservatives are judging the liberals. People who are pro-mask are judging the non-maskers. The non-maskers are judging the pro-maskers. I mean, you just can't get away from it. It's just the way our culture is right now. It's so toxic. And what you're seeing this plays out in all areas of life. Now, relationships are damaged. Friendships are damaged. People aren't talking to each other. People are fighting with each other. 2020 is an indication that the way that we judge one another doesn't work. Can I get an amen for that? Amen. It does not work 
anymore. So it's, it's really impossible for us to just not judge. So what is Jesus really saying about judging? When Jesus says don't judge, is he expecting us just to have some supernatural ability to step outside of ourselves? I don't, I don't think so. I think Jesus is talking about the way that we judge. See, no, notice back. Look back again. See, Jesus doesn't say judge not, period. He says judge not, comma. Judge not that you be not judged. Okay, that's confusing, Jesus. What, what, what are you saying there? What, what, what does this mean? Next time somebody judges you, say, don't judge me. Or you're going to be judged. And then wink at them. See what they say. It would be kind of uncomfortable, right? Give them a little, maybe one of these shoot from the hip guys. So judge not whether you not be judged. But then he says verse 2 that helps bring all this together for us. Notice this. This, is, this makes a lot of sense for us now. He says, for with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. So the way you judge, you're going to be judged with. Notice, go to the next verse here, or the next half of the verse. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Notice Jesus says, when you judge the way you judged, it's going to be judged and measured back to you. So be careful how you judge. See, I think at this point, we're looking at Jesus and we're saying, okay, Jesus, let me try to wrap my mind around this. Here's what Jesus is saying. Judge others in the same way that you want to be judged. Sounds like the golden rule, doesn't it? Judge others the same way that you want to be judged. Now ask yourself, how do you want to be judged? Well, we just said we didn't want to be judged. But what if you had to? What if you were forced to? How would you respond? See, if you asked me, if I had to be judged, how do I want to be judged? I'm going to say, I don't want you to judge me on that one interaction or that one conversation or that one Facebook post or that one bad decision. I want you to judge me based on the whole of my life. I want you to judge me based on the, the, the whole of my experiences, the, the whole of my failures, the whole of my insecurities, all, all my upbringing. I want you to judge me on all of those things. Judge me based on my entire story. And so Jesus is saying here that we have to make a choice, that the way we judge people determines, is determined by our approach and how we see ourselves. So Jesus is really saying this. It's the choice to not place yourself in the seat of the judge. How many of you guys like Law & Order? Any Law & Order fans in here? How about any old school Boston legal, any old school, you know, cops, lawyers, law shows? So my favorite courtroom scene of all time is A Few Good Men. Anybody? Anybody? A Few Good Men? Very end of the movie, you got Tom Cruise right there. He's got Jack Nicholson across from him. And he's like, did you order the code red? And Jack Nicholson's like, you want answers? He's like, I want the truth. What does Jack Nicholson say? Let's say it together. You can't handle the truth, right? The greatest moment, one of the greatest moments in film. You can't handle the truth. You're darn right I did, right? He's great. I think Jesus is saying you can't handle the truth. You can't handle the truth of being the judge. You aren't the judge. The judge is the person that pronounces guilty or innocent. And, and we don't know people's story to be the one who pronounces that judgment. I don't know your story. I know some of it. You don't know my story. You know a little bit of it, but we don't, we haven't been walking through the same things together. C.S. Lewis says it this way. He says, don't judge a man by where he is because you don't know how far he has come. And it's true we don't. James, uh, Jesus' half-brother, talks about this in James 4.12. Notice what he says. He echoes Jesus' words. He says, there is only one lawgiver and judge who is able to save and to destroy. 
But who are you to judge your neighbor? They're just, Jesus and James are saying, you are not qualified to be the judge. So when you're judging somebody and you're putting yourself in the seat of judge with a gavel in your hand, you're being wrong. You're doing it wrong. You're not living out the way that God calls us to live. God knows our story. God knows our sin. God knows our problem. God knows our background. But we don't. So back to verse 2. What did Jesus say again in verse 2? He says, For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged, and with the measure you use it, it will be measured to you. So be careful how you judge people. Judge people the way you want to be judged. So play this out in your life. Maybe you're married and you have been walking through a difficult season at home and your spouse is consumed with work and you don't see them very much. And they're not, you're not just getting to spend quality time. And so you say to your spouse, you are not a loving spouse. Ouch, that hurts. That hurts. But Jesus is saying the moment we say that to our spouse, you better be ready for your spouse to judge you by that same measure. You better be ready to make sure you are the best loving spouse. Maybe you've got a roommate and your roommate is just messy and, and not taking care of the, house, of the apartment. And you walk up to them and you say, you know, you're just a terrible roommate. You better make sure that you are a great roommate because they're going to use that as the standard to judge you. So Jesus said, we need to check our hearts. How are we judging people? Is that the way that we want them to judge us? And I think this plays out all over our lives in different ways. See, way too often we pass judgment on somebody because they're not meeting our standard, that we've got this standard that we think things should be done by, and when they don't meet it, we cast judgment on them. And we say, get your act together, pull it up, pull yourself together, come on, you got to be better than this. Or we just cast judgment on somebody and just write write them off. And just say, okay, well, you're not worthy of my friendship. You're not worthy of my time. You're a bad employee. You're a bad coworker. Whatever it is. But how often when we judge somebody, are we looking at ourselves and going, hmm, how am I doing in that same area? Am, am I doing those same things? It's really easy to see your faults and not see my own. Notice how Jesus says it. Verse 3. He says this. He says, why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your eye. Now, sometimes I think we read the Bible and we think Jesus had to have been kind of somber, right? It seems like Jesus is always a pretty heavy hitter, right? He's talking about these tough topics. But remember, God is the creator of humor, and Jesus is the one that spoke it all into existence. So I think Jesus was hilarious. I think this is a good example. You got to see Jesus' humor in this. I think the disciples were cracking up at this when Jesus said it. Notice what he says. Remember, Jesus is a carpenter. What do carpenters do? They work with wood. Jesus worked with a lot of stone. So Jesus says, and the NIV translated well, it says, if I see a, a, some sawdust in your eye, now, now if I see sawdust in your eye, that's a real thing, right? There's, it's not nothing. Anybody ever had sawdust in their eye? Anybody ever had a splinter in their eye? So I was doing, uh, I was fourth grade Pinewood Derby. I created the sweetest Pinewood Derby car you've ever seen. I think I won like two years in a row with this car. But as we were cutting, I got a little splinter in my eye, and so I was patched up for like two weeks. So I looked like a pirate, really, when I was winning this race. So it was was a cool picture. But thankfully, the doctor was able to get it out and all those kind of things. But if, if you guys know, if you get sawdust or a splinter in your eye, it can really mess with your vision. It can can cause some some irritation. It can do all kinds of things. So Jesus is saying something I notice is in your eye. It's not nothing. But he's saying at the same time, I see that in your eye, but hanging out of my eye is a log. Imagine a steamboat springs cabin in the mountain log, right? 
full-on huge log hanging out of your face. So Jesus is saying, how can you see sawdust in mine and miss the fact that you got a giant log hanging out of yours? And I'm sure that it was funny at the time, but isn't he right? How often do I look at your life or I, I, I look at somebody else's life and I see what's going on with you and I don't even consider what's going on with me? Let's be honest. It's way easier to look at you, right? It, it's, it's more fun to see what's wrong with you because it makes me feel better about what's wrong with me. So I'd rather look at you and help you fix you rather than even considering what's wrong with me. But right here, I think Jesus is clarifying the not in the judge not. Jesus is clarifying the way we're supposed to approach these situations, and he's pointing to our hearts. And he's saying that our problem is that we're quick to notice the flaws in other people when we haven't noticed the same flaws in ourselves. And, and this hurts. And I just, I think we've all been there and it stings. What Jesus says is a punch to the ribs. Because how many times have we been quick to pass judgment on a mean coworker, but we haven't been the best spouse? How often have we been quick to pass judgment on, on a friend when we haven't been a very good friend either? How often have we been quick to pass judgment on some rich, greedy person when we're not being very generous on our own, but we just disguise it in the fact that we don't make as much money as they do? And so here's where it really hurts. How often are we quick to look down on somebody who's destroying the image of God by supporting abortion, but slow to judge somebody who's abusing the image of God through racism? Flip that around. How often are we quick to call out somebody for their racism, but slow to cast judgment on somebody who supports abortion? So I think we have our little things that we stand for. We get on our little soapbox and we say, that's the area that is wrong. But are we looking at our hearts to see, are we doing it right? See, Jesus says, look, don't put yourself in the seat of the judge. You need to check your own heart first. And notice what he says in verse 4. He gives us this heart check. He says, so how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck or the sawdust out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? Jesus says, this is the textbook definition of the two words we hate more than anything. Verse 5, you hypocrite. I don't know about you, but I, I hate those words. Those words just, it's like a dagger in the heart. But sometimes we need to hear those words to check ourselves it's easy to see what's wrong with you, but I need to be reminded of what is wrong with me. And so sometimes being called a hypocrite is harsh, and it hurts, and it stings, and I hate it, but I need it. So I think the question we have to ask Jesus is, okay, Jesus, are you just telling us to mind our own business? You said don't judge or you're going to be judged. Make sure to judge people the same way you want to be judged. Well, I don't want to be judged, so should I just mind my own business? Should I just mind my own business and go focus on myself? Is that where I leave it at? But notice the rest of verse 5. Jesus solidifies this question for us. Look back at verse 5. Jesus says this. He says, you hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you'll what? See clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. See, this is actually where the lesson begins. This is huge. Jesus is saying that you can't see clearly to help somebody else until you fix yourself until you address your own sin issue. But he's, he's saying, when I see how messed up somebody else is, it helps me figure out how messed up I am. When I see your messed upness, it helps me fix my messed upness, and it makes me a better person for it. I'm better because you're a mess. 
Is that what Jesus is saying? So if I look at your bad decisions and I look at myself and I ask, do I, well, have I made that same decision? If I look at your Instagram post and see all the stuff you're putting up and judge you, I look at myself and say, well, how's my Instagram look? Is it good? Is that what Jesus is saying? Is this where we end it? Because if so, I kind of like that, don't you? It's kind of easy, right? Okay, I won't judge you. I'm just going to look at how messy you are and fix my own stuff. So is that what Jesus is saying? But see, Jesus is like that late night infomercial. What do they say? But wait, there's more, right? Look back at the verse. He says, take the log out of your eye and then you'll see clearly. See, the, le- the lesson isn't this. The lesson isn't just go mind your own business. That's not Jesus' lesson because that doesn't ever work. Because minding our business only makes me better. Minding my business doesn't make you better at all. And, and this is so big. Just don't miss this. At the heart of following Jesus, at the heart of living in the kingdom of heaven, Jesus is t- always telling us this, that following Jesus never ends with what's in it for you. Following Jesus never ends with what's in it for me. Jesus wants me to become the best version of myself. Why? So I can help you make or help to make you the best version of yourself with his help. You know, if you summed up the, the, the commandments of, of God into, into two lines, Jesus says in Matthew 22, the greatest commandment of all is to love God with all your heart, soul, and mind and to love your neighbor as what? Yourself. But Jesus sums this up even better for us in John 13, 34. Look what he says. This is right before Jesus knows he's going to, to go to the cross and so he's given his disciples just, um, just exactly what they need before he moves on. He says this, John 13, 34. He says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you. How did Jesus love us? He gave everything for us. He gave his life for us. His life was spent leaning in to help us, to make us the best version of ourselves. So the question is, when I look at you, and that drives me to look at my mess, I go and work on my mess. Why? So Jesus can use me to come help you step out of yours. You see how that works together? I can't mind my own business because minding my own business does nothing for you when your business needs minding. And so that's what it looks like to live in the kingdom of heaven, to be on this journey together. It's not about me. It's about us together. I like what Charles Spurgeon says about this. He says that those who loved you and were helped by you will remember you when forget-me-nots have withered. He says, carve your name on hearts, not on marble. Whose hearts are we carving our name on right now? Who, whose life are we stepping into to help? That God has used me, I've seen you, I've worked on my own sin, and now I step in to help you with yours. Have you carved your name on somebody's heart recently? So I think the $50,000 question for us to ask today is how do we move to a place where we judge others like Jesus says? How do we, how do we step into this? Because this isn't going to come naturally at all. Andy Stanley says that, that people typically fall in two camps. We, we fall in two camps. We are either people who tend to size people up and write them off, because we're self-righteous, we say to ourselves, well, I don't struggle with that. How dare I, how can you struggle with that? We pass judgment on people. Or we like to size people up and we walk away. We say, it's not my place to say anything. I'm going to mind my own business and I'm just going to get out of here. 
So think about that. Are you in either one of those two camps? So how do we do this? How do we live out the kingdom of heaven? How do we judge or not judge like Jesus tells us to judge or not judge? Well, there's three intentional choices we have to make, and then we'll be done. First one is this. If you're taking notes at home, choose to see everyone as someone Jesus gave his life for. See, if I'm going to have to choose to judge like Jesus judged, I have to start here. I have to choose to see everyone, not just my friends, not just the people I like, Everybody, as someone Jesus gave his life for. Notice what Paul says in Philippians 2, verse 3. Paul says this. He's talking about Jesus, and, and he's going to give this example of Jesus going to the cross. But he tells us this. He says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. And then he goes on to say, this is what Jesus did by coming down here and being born and going to the cross for us. So he says, see, everybody is valuable. See, everybody as important. In Luke chapter 11, you don't have to turn there. You can look at it later. There's this incredible parable of the tax collector and the Pharisee. Many of you have probably read this parable before. But Jesus tells us that these two men go to the temple to pray. And that the Pharisee, he's all puffed up. And he's standing there. And the tax collector's over here. And he's praying to God. He's saying, God, thank you that I'm not like other people. Thank you that I'm not like all these sinners. And thank you that I'm not like that tax collector right there. And then he gives his resume because I tithe on everything I get. I fast twice a week. I do all these things. God, thank you for making me what I am. And you just see this classic picture of self-righteousness. This classic picture of somebody who just misses it completely. And all through Jesus' teaching, he just teaches over and over. He hates that. He hates self-righteousness, and he hates pride because it causes us to miss what God is doing in our life, and it causes us to miss the lives of other people that we need to step into and help. I like what Tim Keller says. He says, um, God's grace does not come to people who morally outperform others, but to those who admit their failures to perform and who acknowledge their need for a Savior. See, Jesus wants us to realize that, that, that if we were the only people on the planet Jesus would still have to come and die for your sin. You ever think that? You ever let that sink in? If you were the only person alive, Jesus would still have to come and go to the cross. That Jesus didn't just come and die for, for liars and killers and white supremacists or abortion doctors. He came to die for pastors. He came to die for missionaries. He came to die for me. He came to die for you. Jesus came and gave his life for all of us. And when we see through the lens of the cross that Jesus came for all of us, it helps us to see that everybody is on the same playing field, that I'm just as guilty as the next guy, and Jesus came and loved the next guy just as much as he loves me. So maybe you find yourself in the camp that when you judge people, you size them up and you write them off. You look at them and you say, how can you struggle with that situation? And so you size people up and you write people off. Could Jesus be speaking to you today? See, maybe what Jesus is saying to you, if, if that's you, then what you need to do is repent. You need to look to him and say, God, I am sorry that I have just been casting judgment on people and I am not showing them the love of Jesus. God, forgive me for that and help me see my dirty heart. Help me to see to be a better, the best version of myself. But we can't stop there. Second, Jesus says, I think, but we need to choose to address your sin before talking to others about theirs. 
That we, you see in this picture of, we got to get the log out of our face before I talk to you about the sawdust in your eye. I got to choose to work on myself. In that same parable, Luke 18, you've got the, tech, the Pharisee who is just puffed up and feeling good. And over here to the side, you've got the tax collector. And Jesus tells us the tax collector won't even step all the way up. He stands far off and he won't even look up to heaven, but he looks down and he beats his chest. He says, I'm a sinner. I am a sinner and I am not worthy. God have mercy on me. And Jesus says, I tell you that that tax collector went down to his house justified rather than the Pharisee. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. That tax collector saw his sin and wanted to fix his sin, and Jesus says he was saved for it. So we need to fix our sin before we point out somebody else's. And the only way for me to help you get better is to first take the log out of my eye. Maybe... Somebody recently has came to you and it took a risk to talk to you about something they saw in your life. Maybe it was a friend, it was somebody close to you, it was a family member, and they came and they told you something and you didn't like it and it hurt and it stung. And you told them, don't judge me, mind your own business. But you know deep in your heart you really needed to hear it. You really needed to hear what they have to say. If that's you, I think what Jesus is telling you today is that you need to listen. And Jesus is saying, look, that person took a big risk to step into your life and to talk to you about this situation. You need to listen and to take it to heart so that you can then be the person that Jesus is calling you to be. But it's a third step to this as well. I think this is the last one and then we're done. Jesus says this. We need to choose to speak into the lives of others like Jesus does. That we need to choose to change our approach when it comes to speaking to the lives of others. In John chapter 8, there's an incredible story about Jesus, and he's at the temple early in the morning, and a group of Pharisees and scribes bring a woman caught in adultery to Jesus. If you're familiar with the story, Jesus is standing there, and they set this woman down in front of Jesus, and they say, according to the law, this woman caught in adultery should be stoned. It's this really kind of uh, difficult moment, and it's really interesting. Jesus bends down, kind of writes something in the, in the dirt. Then he stands up and he looks at the, the scribes and the Pharisees. And if you know it, remember what he says? He says, okay, let you who is without sin cast the first stone. And so all these guys are mad. They're standing there with these rocks in their hands. Jesus bends down, starts writing in the dirt again. I would just love to, to know what he wrote right there. And all of a sudden you hear, thud, thud. Thud. And every one of those scribes and Pharisees dropped their rock, walked away. And so then Jesus is in this moment, as only Jesus can do, he, he says the right thing every time. So he looks at her and he says, hey, where's, uh, where's your accusers? Are they still here? Have they condemned you? And she says, no, Lord, they haven't. And he looks at her. Now remember, this is Jesus, the Son of God, the perfect man who's never sinned. Jesus, if there's anybody who could be the judge in this moment, would have been Jesus. What does Jesus say? He says, neither do I. Now go and sin no more. Jesus, the righteous judge, the holy one, the Son of God, in a moment where he totally could have judged, he showed her mercy and love and then leaned in and spoke words of life to her. 
go and sin no more because I don't condemn you either. See, for some of us, we may be the kind of people that size people up and walk away. We see people that are in difficult spots and we judge them and then we just say, it's none of my business to speak in. God is telling us it is our business that we need to step in, to speak up, and to help others become the best version of themselves. So together we can show the world that as Christians we aren't a bunch of hypocritical, judgmental people, but that we are people saved by the grace of God, by the mercy of Jesus Christ. Forefront, could you imagine how this world would look if we repented and listened and spoke up? Could you imagine how strong relationships could be, the relationships in your life, the relationships at your work, the relationships in your family? If rather than sizing people up and walking away or sizing people up and, and writing them off or telling people to stop judging us, instead we said, let's get on this journey together to become the best version that we could ever be. It would change your life. It would change this church. It would change this neighborhood. And I guarantee you, it would change this world. See, God has called us to something bigger and better than ourselves that we could ever imagine. And he just asks us to choose to step into that and follow him. And as we do, and as we're obedient, we'll become the people he has called us to be. Jesus says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you. Forefront, the world is watching. Let's show them what real love looks like.